Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dillian. Welcome once again to Bowie versus Dylan, the podcast in which we finally figure out who is the best person ever to record music. Was it David Bowie or was it Bob Dylan? I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. Before we get started, I want to give a little props to my man, Jake. Oh, for, uh, oh thank you. Writing, writing and performing that beautiful music at the beginning of every one of our episodes. Mm. It, uh, it gives me a chuckle every single time, Jake. Um, I want you to know that that's actually David Bowie and Bob Dylan. They just, they phoned in, you know, some... Literally phoned in. They phoned in some uh, some collaborations for you. Uh, it was in the middle of not the eighties when they were both at their worst. It was uh, it was while they were posed for that one picture that we have that we in nineteen eighty six. Yeah, nineteen eighty six. That's it. That's you can true. tell. Well, in contrast to nineteen eighty six, today we're talking. We're doing our most recent year so far. Yes, we're doing the uh, the year of twenty thirteen and taking a look at their careers. Recent vintage, only a mere five years ago. You know it. So we're gonna kick things off with uh, with Jake. Putting us up to speed about uh, your man Dylan. I'm gonna, Take it, Jake. I'm going to talk about Bob Dylan in 2013. Uh, I went through all of the autobiographies that I'm currently renting from the library. No one else in this town apparently cares because they no one has put them on hold or anything. I'm just I basically own them. Sorry, Camus Public Library. I'm just going to keep pushing refresh on that page. I'm going to keep checking them out. Uh, the public library wants you to do that. Speaking as a librarian myself. They like it? You check them out. Yeah, we like when you check this out, yeah. Well, I, I check them out all the time. Forever. Yeah, just saying. Uh, so none of those, uh, point being, none of those have the year 2013 in them. It's so recent <laughs> that no one has bothered to write, like, an addendum on their autobiography uh-huh. about 2013. So um, I had to just kind of go on, like, what he released and what he uh, what he was doing out on the road there on the never-ending tour. So speaking of which, I might as well just start there. The 25th anniversary of the never-ending tour. This <laughs> <laughs> is ridiculous. Really it ridiculous. really is. So he started that Hummer in 1988. He plays 9 to 10 months every single year. Uh, usually stops. As far as I can tell, most artists are not really like wild about touring. They get kind of like exhausted by the end of it. And oh, for sure. Break. For sure. And I don't know... I mean, I think it really speaks to how Bob um, has settled in to his life, his like older life. I guess he's such, this is his life. He's such his life a touring. This he's such a does. loner. He's such a guy that just is with his own thoughts, like creating things in his own head, um, and then you know, gifting them to the world every once in a while. He uh, and he, covering the stand, covering the American Stand songbook also. Uh, well, many many times over. I'm not sure there's any songs left in that sucker, to be honest. <laughs> He's covered them all. Uh, every song that Sinatra ever played, right? <laughs> yep, every single one, all two thousand of them. Uh, he has his own. He has his own tour bus. He he's on a bus, and the rest of the band is on another bus. So he just he literally just glides along all by himself on this on this tour. 
Um, in 2013, as I said, it was the 25th anniversary, and, um, you know, this is what I'm reading every single time, so I'm starting to take it with a grain of salt. He sounded reinvigorated, Chaz. He really did. Again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Playing some good versions, some old songs. He toured partly uh, with Wilco and My Morning Jacket, and that leg of oh, the tour... Yeah. I know. I wish I was there. I was going to say, Wilco's here, you know. <laughs> Wilco, yeah. And so they always would jam a little bit at the end of the set or whatever. That that sounds yeah. like a dream I could have. Um, it was called the Americanorama portion of the tour. Which I thought, <laughs> that, was the, that was really the name of it. That's clever, isn't it? Isn't that clever? I found that clever. If by clever, you mean not clever, yes. <laughs> Pretty bad. That's what I meant. Uh, he also played Royal Albert Hall in England for the first time in 47 years since his famous 1966 tour where uh, everyone got mad at him and he ripped it out. Oh, was that the Judas the tour? Yep, that was the Judas tour. All right. And uh, the significance of that is that there was a bootleg that circulated after that tour called the Royal Albert Hall shows, which actually weren't at Royal Albert Hall. I think they were actually at Manchester or something. Um, oh, didn't they recently, fairly recently release the real Royal, Royal Albert Hall? They did, um, but they re-released it because they had already released it on a bootleg series in 1998. That's his bootleg oh. volume four. All right. Anyway, all that point being, he had another year of touring under his belt. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Bob. Way to go. He also released the Complete Album Collection, Volume 1, a massive 47-CD set that had all of his studio and live albums um, that were released on Columbia Records up to that point, uh, which went through, I believe, Tempest, which was released in 2012. Now, I don't know if you remember, Chaz, you and I had a conversation uh, about this in 2013. I was pressuring you into buying it at one point. Yeah. I was trying to pressure you into buying it at one point. So I remember I, saying, like, that if Bowie had done this, oh, I would be right there buying it. And then it was, like, two years later, he started releasing all his box sets, and I bought them. And you were right to wait, I think, even though that thing didn't exist. Okay. So I want you, I want you to picture yourself, Chaz. I'm picturing, I'm doing you so much picturing myself. You are me, Jake, uh-huh. in 2013, uh-huh. you... Hear about this on Pitchfork or from you, probably. I mean, Chaz. <laughs> and you're like, what? Your mind just expands. Like, I. Because it wasn't very expensive either. It was no, like it wasn't. It was 50 bucks or something. Well, there's a reason for, for that. For like 48 albums or something like that. There's a reason for that that we can explain very quickly yeah. in a little bit. Um, so you're me standing there, like, wobbling. Like, whoa. Because uh-huh. I'd been uh, studiously collecting on various forms of media, all of his albums for a couple of years mm-hmm. at least. Several years, like some on record. I even had one on cassette tape for a while until I replaced nice. it with CD. So I Choice, like, Jay. you know, Choice. I kind of liked my little weird ragtag collection, but I was like, oh, I could just have all of them. So you're going you're gonna to do a little multiple choice as me for this, okay? So what do you yeah. do when you hear this news? A, you take your smelly brother Charlie's advice and, quote, just buy it already. End quote. I know you didn't actually do that, so go B. On. Uh, you dismiss it begrudgingly and angrily, but remain satisfied with your current plan to purchase every album and continue down the road that you had been doing, kind of hodgepodging it. Yeah, okay. C. Is there not, is that, oh, there's another choice, okay. Oh, there's so many more choices. C. <laughs> do some research and subsequently discover that it's not all it's cracked up to be and feel intense relief that you didn't click quote, purchase on Amazon.com. D, stop being a Bob Dylan fan. 
or E, all of the above? Well, e, all of the above is, is impossible on this side. <laughs> I'm going to say Good catch. start with B and then ease into C. Yeah, that's it. You got it. I mean, most yes. mostly it ended up being C because the... There was some B in there. I remember talking oh, about Oh, for it. sure. Definitely some B. Um, but C uh, takes into account all the research I did afterwards and the, the like the remastering process that Columbia has gone through releasing his albums uh-huh. has been spotty and challenging. Like no you know, it's hard to tell what is good or not. And just because it's on a CD doesn't mean that it's gonna sound good. And right. I guess all the <clears throat> you know, there weren't a lot of liner notes that were intact, like the 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 cardboard on the on the sleeves was, you know, pretty cheap and they just kinda yeah. like crammed all of them into this one box. So I'm glad I didn't do it, and now I'm all caught up. Anyway, it only took me, like, the next year to do that. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Dylan released, officially, the Bootleg Series Volume 10, which is called Another Self-Portrait. It is from the years 1969 to 1971, which covers three Ooh. three albums. We've covered 69 and the 71, I know, Nick. I know, so check it out. We got Nashville Skyline, check it, check it. which we've talked about. 1970's New Morning, which we will eventually... Uh, in 1971, of course, he had some recording uh, sessions that went along with his Greatest Hits Volume 2. So it covers these things. He released three singles. One is called Wigwam, <laughs> which, for a Bob Dylan fan, is like one of his most hilarious and best songs. And you may, okay. you may know it, because it is in, uh, used to, to great effect on the soundtrack to the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm, uh, I'd probably I, do that one then. You probably but do. It's the one where he goes, I'm just going to give you a little taste. This is just a little All right, taste. Go. I'm listening. Uh, I'm stuffed up from a sinus infection, but it should work because he was doing a little crooning. Man. So here it goes. La da 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 da. La da 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 da. La da 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 da. La da 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 da. And it goes on like that for like three minutes. It's like one long melody, and it's like wordless, and it's hilarious. Like, what. Is he talking? Not talking about in this. Song. I'm gonna go listen to that. Oh my gosh, it's show, so, so great! It's seriously one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. Um, so they released a unadorned version of it without, uh, I think, without backing tracks or something like that, and they remastered it, which is key because that was on Self Portrait, which is his 1970 album we haven't talked about yet, okay, which yeah. was just trashed all up and down to pieces when it first came out. Was it critically rediscovered and resuscitated decades later? Well, the outtakes on it were, because this is a great bootleg series, I don't know what the consensus on the album was other than, like, what a hodgepodge of different things. It had covers on it, it had (laughs) country songs, it had him covering the boxer, the Paul Simon, the Simon and Garfunkel song, (laughs) for some weird reason. Interesting. And I think what... I don't want to listen to that. What happened? No, it's just. I mean, you can't. No, is it bad? It's, it's a, bad a free country. Oh, it's terrible. It's, ter- it's terrible. That's a great yeah, song. Uh, so I think the biggest, hugest problem with that, other than how it arrived culturally for Dylan, which was that everyone just he just could not he couldn't get it right with people. Like Nashville Skyline yeah. was a huge disappointment, and then you know this was an even bigger disappointment. Self Portrait, and then what is he doing writing happy songs? What is he? <laughs> But really, the key—I know, especially him—the key to it all is that it was recorded terribly. It sounded awful. Like uh, 
the the production on it was really thin. It sounded like they were home recording some of them. Um, it, it just didn't sound good, and there was no flow. It had like 18 songs on it or something like that. It was really long but really boring at the same time. There's a few standouts, Wigwam being one of them. Um, and so what the bootleg series did, in my mind, is it kind of rectified and changed the feeling of what he was trying to do then. And uh, so he had a quote from inside the box set, which is great, um, Bob Dylan himself. He said, uh-huh. and this, it, it starts to make sense after, after you read this quote. It says, I just threw everything I could think of at the wall, and whatever stuck, I released it, and then went back and scooped up everything that didn't stick and released that too. <laughs> <laughs> And that was back then, and then there was like, there's like three more discs of the stuff that he didn't even release, you know, that he didn't didn't even scoop up. It's nuts. Um, But they all sound great on this collection. Like, somebody that knew what they were doing went back and and remastered it. Like, it's a great remaster job. Sometimes... Uh You gotta laugh when they remaster so these did they songs. Did they include the original album there too, or is well, it only the outtakes? I gotta tell you my small personal controversy. So in 2013, I wasn't quite ready to go full deluxe on the bootleg series yet. Okay. As I am now, except I didn't with the last one because I don't. I say you didn't. Though. I didn't, but I I would if it was like <laughs> if it was this now, I totally would. Uh-huh. And I didn't know it was going to be such a revelation because this is kind of a a fraught period for for his fans. This yeah. 1969 to 71, and so I, I tepidly, you know, as I was collecting all of them anyway, I, I bought the two-disc version. So I went online and checked out the deluxe version while I was researching here, and it had like a whole other disc of more outtakes. It had the entirety of the 1969 Isle of Wight show, which we've talked about. Which we talked about. Which I can't find online anywhere, so that would have been cool. And then it remasters yeah. the entirety of... Self-Portrait, the original album from 1970, okay. which I am so dying to hear how that, that sounds. Now? Like I think it's like six. It's like sixty. So I'm doing it. Oh, this, that's not out of reach. I'm doing it this Christmas. You just wait. All right, all right. I'll wait. Uh, I'll tell you about it then. You just hold on. Uh, he did another single called "Pretty Sarah," which was off of this collection. Uh-huh. Um, it was a video single with images from the Farm Security Administration. So it's kind of <laughs> sure, yeah. It's like definitely. a bunch of women standing by trucks and in fields and so forth, such like Absolutely. that from the forties. Uh, looked great, pretty song. And then he did a, a download-only single of "Motherless Children" from his "Live at the Gaslight" nineteen sixty-two <laughs> album, which okay. I think that they shoved inside the complete album collection volume one. So I don't <laughs> yeah, know if definitely. that was supposed to like make people buy it or whatever. Um, that show, so. Uh, yes, and then he did something extremely interesting, as he always does. Um, on November 16th, he, completely by surprise, opened an art exhibit in London, and I have a second multiple choice question for you, and I'm really, <laughs> okay, I'm really interested. Okay, That's right, we're going, we're going, we're going to. What piece, or what uh, form of fine art did Bob Dylan completely by surprise open an exhibit in London for on November 16th, 2013. A. Large ironworks sculptures. B. Native American dream catchers. C. Stained glass windows. Or D. Hand-thrown adobe clay pots. <laughs> Man, you uh, you made some good choices. I did. I, I did. No clue. 
You got to guess. I think it was just like little noodling sketches. That's what it seems like most. Well, he already did that. Artists. He already do did a, that. Do a, uh, yeah, he he. Yeah, it's like he has been a. They were doodling on while someone was still explaining the concert that they had contracts they weren't paying attention to. He was a painter of, or is a painter of some renown. He sometimes okay. will paint his own um, album covers. Okay. But that doesn't uh, that doesn't answer this question. I'm gonna go with the uh, Dreamcatchers. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's large. Oh, it's dang. large ironwork sculptures. Oh well. <laughs> I, was hoping, I was hoping to be more ridiculous than that. <laughs> I know. I put. I threw that one in there. I thought that was a funny one. Um, so he opened this. Keep in mind, nobody knew what he was doing. This. This is how. Uh-huh. This is what he can get away with, even in modern times. Nobody knew what this was. So I thought this was funny. I was reading the the original press release or a newspaper that covered this, this happening. So it said, quote, he unveiled a number of large scale metal sculptures. And then this would just reminded me of an onion article. Um, this, the, the sub, the subheading was quote, most are gates end quote. <laughs> that sounds like an onion article. That's yeah, how it does. funny. Absolutely. Quote, most are gates. Most are gates. <laughs> so Bob had. That's all we have to say about this. Not sure what else to say. No, there's nothing more to say except here. I'll let Bob. I'll let Bob say it the best that Bob can say it, and then uh, uh-huh. and then I'll pass it along to you to do some bow. All right, right on time. Yeah, uh, he had a pretty concise year despite kept releasing it, kept all this. Kept it lean this year. Uh, so Bob Dylan said about his <laughs> about his large ironwork sculptures. He said, "Quote mostly gates." Yeah, he says, check this out. This is the most Bob Dylan-y thing ever. I wonder how long it took him to um, plagiarize this from someone else. Quote, Gates appeal to me because of the negative space they allow. They can shut you out or shut you in. And in some ways, there is no difference. Ah, think about that for a second. That's so like... Like an SNL sketch of like, you know, one of the characters playing Bob Dylan and saying, just blowing that right out there. What was that, uh, that Dewey Cox movie, what, Walk Hard or Walk something? Hard, so funny. he has funny. Bob Dylan yeah. phase? That's yeah. something, something he would say then. Yeah, it's just so, like, it's so <laughs> philosophical and empty and doesn't mean anything at all. It doesn't mean anything, but it sure sounds, like, deep and purposeful, like, doesn't it? Of course. Impressive, doesn't it? Thank you, Bob. I wonder... <laughs> If there's a difference between those two things, besides them being Wait, exactly no, opposite, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, ch- it changed my life, Chaz. Let's go with it. It's so changed. All right, well, all right. I'm I'm out of the wigwam. It's time for you to climb in the wigwam. <laughs> Got it. All right, Jake. I want you to imagine for me. Yes, that I'm it's imagining. 2013. In January 8th, 2013. In fact. You're a young man of 30, smart, handsome, a lovely family. I think I was 32 then, but yeah, go ahead. You're going on vacation, and you are uh, at, you have a layover in Florida. Okay. And uh, <laughs> they screwed up something with the stroller, and you have to go figure out what the heck's going on and where your stroller is, because it didn't make it to Florida with you for the layover. How dare and you want to make sure it makes it to your final destination. So you were waiting in a really impressively long line, because it's an airport, and this is what they do. Yeah. Reading an ebook on your phone, and uh, there's an obnoxious TV somewhere nearby. Oh, everywhere nearby. It's got the news on. You have to glance up and catch a little piece of something you're actually interested in. And that is that. Ooh. For the first time in ten years, David Bowie is releasing an album. Whoa! I'm blown away. 
that young man, that smart, handsome young man, was me. What? Wait, it was? Oh, mm-hmm. Oh, you mm-hmm. really set that up mysteriously. And this is how I found it out, because on January 8th, 2013, which was his birthday. He oh. He really likes his, his birthday. He really self-mythologizes a lot. He did. Well, he's self, I mean, all over the place, but his yeah. birthday was big. So his 66th birthday, and uh, he just dropped completely out of nowhere. No one knew anything was going on with this. Completely just dropped a brand new single, uh, like, did not tell anyone, and just, they just dropped it on iTunes, and didn't even announce it. Whoa. Dropped a really? new video, the single was Where Are We Now? Uh-huh. Uh, a new video came out the same day, and the announcement in March, his first in 10 years. Wow. It was a big deal. Boom now, for me, it's especially a big deal, because I had not, like, I had become a Bowie fan. Well, I had some interest in him before. I became a big Bowie fan, really started being a fan in about 2006. Okay. So this is the first album of his that even come out since I've been a fan. That's crazy. And I and I remember I was still at a point where I didn't have quite all of his studio albums. I had all the good, like all the great stuff. Sure. And most of the good stuff. And was starting in on like the mediocre to bad stuff. And I remember like not being 100% sure if I was going to buy a new album yet because I hadn't caught, entirely caught up yet. But then of course I bought it. I had to buy it. How could you not? So this was what happened. This was just dropped out of nowhere wow. to do this thing. His first album, the album was The Next Day. Yeah. Um, it was a big release for the year. It was a big deal when he did this. Yeah. And it was very well respected, too, very well received. His first album in 10 years, uh, it actually was, took him, he recorded it for two or three years. I think it was close to three years, which is by far the longest he ever took to record anything. He was usually pretty quick in the studio. He'd show up at the studio with like two or three songs done and ideas for like 10 more. And they'd, you know, knock it out in a few weeks. And that was his album. So that's how he traditionally worked. But this thing he, like, just worked on and worked on and worked on and worked on and worked on some more. Literally over, it's what he, like, did the only thing. When we get to 2011 and 2012, uh, I'm going to sit here for, like, 45 <laughs> seconds for each one and say, well, he uh, he recorded hey, the next day. And tink- nobody knew about it. Tinkered around in the studio. Tink- yeah, he was working on it. Uh, he recorded vocals on this day. Like, they do actually have some information about what days he recorded certain tracks and stuff. I don't know. So he was, we talked about this. This was the end of the uh, the period of Bowie's life that I have referred to with the obnoxious name, the, da- the Davecation. Yep. This was the it's end over. of the Davecation. It was the period between 2003 when he released Reality and 2013 when he released wow. The Next Day. He released no albums between those two period points. There were some singles scattered. He didn't. He, he didn't. He, he appeared on some other people's albums. He uh, he was in a couple movies. He stopped performing live. His last live performance ever was in two thousand six or seven. I'm forgetting now. And so there's just not a lot there. He kind of like just kind of being a, like a stay at home dad. Yeah. People thought he <laughs> was good for him. People thought he was really dead at least once. People thought he was dying, or he had cancer, all yeah. kinds of stuff, which is not true at the time. He did not have cancer until after the vacation was over. Yeah. Um, and so he drops this thing in, and he managed to, in this period, like regain an amazing degree of mystery. Yes. Like, when you just don't do anything for 10 years, everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? And he doesn't what's do interviews, nothing. Well, he comes back in 2013 with this video. Announces the album and proceeds to do no interviews, oh. no shows, no tour, no live appearances of any kind. Wow, we uses does nothing. The only thing we get of him is his music and his music videos. That's it. And 
and a commercial for Louis Vuitton. Good for <laughs> Oh, okay, great. <laughs> I was just going to say good for him, and then that, that just popped out of your mouth. Well, yeah, so. I just kind of popped out there for some reason. So, yeah, he does eight videos. What? Yeah, or, or, there are eight videos released for them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In, in 2013. Two of songs oh, and two gosh. videos. What? Both of, them are, both of them are remixes for some reason. So, he does this Louis Vuitton commercial uh-huh. for some reason. Which is, uh, I don't know, it's it's an odd commercial. It starts out with this model, a uh, hot air ballooning down into the lake, and it looks like <laughs> Versailles or something. Yeah. And coming in on Bowie, and this, like, tra- strange motley crew of, you know, 18th century type, like, I don't know, like having a rave type thing. <laughs> they're all wearing, like, they're, I mean, they look like they're from that time. Bowie's there. He's singing a song off the next day called I'd Rather Be High. Good. Uh, but it's remade to be just him accompanied by harpsichord, which he's ah. playing at the time. Okay. And the lady comes in, is like hanging out with Bowie at his harpsichord, as one does. Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. then at the end, she, I don't know, she wakes up. She wakes up or she's like actually by herself imagining something or something. I don't remember. I kind of... Stop paying attention after Bowie was not on the screen anymore. How long is this commercial? It's a minute-long commercial oh, for okay. Louis Vuitton. Okay. And I'm not really sure what, you know, I know he's like a fashion designer, but, you know, you can see a purse at one point that has, clearly has initials on. I'm not sure what else he's actually advertising, because aside from the model, everyone else is wearing clothes from like the 1800s, 18, 18th century, 1700s, 18th century. So I'm betting that Louis Vuitton <clears> is not, you know, he's not selling all that stuff, but I, I don't know. Never know. I didn't look into it. Did you go on the website to find out, Jazz? Hmm? What? Did you no. go on the website to find out? Hmm? I just watched the commercial. You're just time. not doing your research about Louis Vuitton. And brought it here to you. Oh, okay. I just stopped with David Bowie. I don't really care about much about Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I'll be honest. So, he, uh, he finished out the year, yeah, that came out in November. And then he also, so the next day came out in March. He released a deluxe edition of it uh-huh. in November of the same year. Because when you're David Bowie, I guess you can do that. I mean, this thing was like, you know, Bowie and Dylan have both had a lot of comeback albums. Yeah. This may be the king of all of their comeback albums right here. I mean, there's this, well, there's really, there's two type of comeback albums, you know? There's the released a whole bunch of bad albums and then come back with one that's halfway decent comeback album. Yes. There's the just didn't release anything for a long time. Right. And then comeback album. And that's what this, this is, Bowie didn't release anything for a while and came back. It helps that this one is good on top of it. Right. It's got to be but good. But to be honest, his two previous albums before this are also quite good. Okay. So it was not a quality comeback. It's just a time comeback. Yeah, but 10 years. 10 in the, years. 10, 10 years, years in the 2000s is like. That's crazy. That's that's like going away for like 25 years. Or oh, something. yeah. You're just, you disappeared. You're just gone. You become a myth of yourself. So, that's Bowie. One last notable thing from the year, which he was only sort of directly involved in, but it's, it's notable. It's something we got to come up with. Is there is, it's still going on now, and I actually figured it out, Jake, the day that this podcast goes live yeah. will actually be the last day that this is open. It's this big traveling museum thing called David Bowie Is. I don't know if you heard about this at all. I have not. And um, so it was the V&A in London started it out. And they're the ones that, that like, got this thing rolling. Bowie, this is self, self-mythologizing. self Nobody does it better than him. <laughs> Except 
maybe Dylan. Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> the only one that could come. We're going to call that a tie over the years, I think. Bowie, I, I don't you know. I don't know. He, there's a there's a there's a secret David Bowie archive. Secret. That he's been keeping for decades. Like you can't go see it. You can't go to it. It's not open to the public. What is in this? It has archive? over seventy five thousand items in it. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of things. Items. Like it's got all of his original costumes for all this kind of stuff for his videos. Oh for yeah, his yeah, yeah. Shows. It's got pieces of his uh, like sets and stuff from oh, when he was live. It's got handwritten notes. It has like the first saxophone his parents ever gave him, <laughs> yeah. like when he was a kid. When he was, was Davy Jones. It's got all kinds of photographs and all kinds of crazy. Yeah, handwritten lyrics to all of the songs and everything. The guy kept everything, apparently. Yeah. And it's in a giant, crazy, secret David Bowie archive, which nobody, you know, presumably is in New York somewhere, but nobody knows where it is. And you can't go to it, and, you know, open to the public. Anyway, the uh, this museum exhibition had access, was granted access to the David Bowie archive. Yeah. And selected somewhere around 500 items. Uh huh. For this big museum thing in London, I presented it out, and Tony Visconti, longtime producer David Bowie, got involved and made some kind of sweet mega mix for people to listen to while going through with the museum. And uh, they have to look at all the stuff, yeah, costumes, notes, videos, all kinds of crazy stuff everywhere around. And it's been like the most popular thing they ever did. Wow! <laughs> it was crazy, crazy popular. Is it going to so travel? London. It went around the world. Oh, it did. All kinds of different cities. Huh. It is currently, so, yeah, I don't, I just forgot about the list. I'm not going to list of all the cities it's been to. It's been all over the world. It's currently in New York. And like I said, when, when this podcast goes live, it'll be the last day in wow. New York. Wow. Which will be the last. That's, that's the last stop. And that was one, like, Bowie did not, was not super involved in this besides opening up his archive. Um, it, it's changed, like, changes at each stop. Okay. They add and subtract different things that are like important to that particular stop. Is it ch 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 changes or just changes? Oh, Jake, don't. <laughs> no, just. I just don't. Oh. Uh, and so he his one demand was it start in London and finish in New York. Okay. Presumably because Bowie himself started in London and finished. In that New would York. be the self mythologizing way to do it. Oh, he's just in there so good. We'll get into a little more of self mythologizing when I get into his album and actually his videos and stuff. Okay. Because uh, the next day is a good album. Great. And we'll get a little more on that in just a second. But it's got a lot of throwbacks and the videos have a lot of throwbacks. He does this a lot. It brings up this stuff like kind of randomly in different places. Um, like a lot of times references to all over the place yeah anyway well so that is notable i wish i had gone to see it or could yeah, go see it that but sounds pretty i don't sweet. know how i'm getting to new york so i probably before july 15th or whatever before july 15th yeah of course it's a couple weeks in advance for those listeners at home but uh, <laughs> it's just not gonna happen i keep hoping to find like one of those crazy you know, 39 dollars flights or something because i just do it but uh Maybe so maybe like a Willy Wonka chocolate bar with a ticket inside. Yeah, you know, a David Bowie CD. Yeah. With a, a free ticket inside, <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be great. Real nice. Um, so the last thing, of course, is your favorite segment. Uh, yay! David Bowie's Year in Hair. All right, a late, a late year edition. A late year edition. Let's do so it. 2013... He's just kind of looking good. He didn't, you know, he's not going crazy. There were a number of publicity photos released of him. They like all seem to be black and white, and he's wearing a suit and just looking kind of good, just looking kind of cool. And, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. I remember that. 
he did look kind of aloof and just a little bit removed from everybody but he's there you know just looking good yeah so he's got just kind of like this it's not like a really fancy you know special haircut it's kind of like a kind of a slicked back combed you know sure affair made you relatively short not you know all the crazy haircuts he's had this is a pretty normal like you know middle-aged dad maybe you know young grandpa yeah i was gonna say he's got to be young grandpa by now but he, but like he, he wasn't actually a grandpa yet, but he... Yeah, but young, success, no, young successful yeah, yeah. grandpa. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, he's 66. He's like, old enough to be a grandpa. Lying in winter. Obviously. And like, obviously. Okay. I'm giving this one a full five. Yeah. For Bowie, because it just... He just looks good, you know? Yeah. Just look at the guy, like, hey, you know, that, that's a good-looking guy. He finally, like, you know? he finally pulled it all together to just look his age appropriately. Just, yeah, oh, yeah. He doesn't look like he's trying too hard, but he looks like... He looks, he looks good. his age... But he looks good for his age, you know. Like he's not he didn't let himself go by any means, you know. He's still cut above the average sixty-six year old, you know. Well, for sure. Obviously. Obviously. Please. <laughs> yeah, please. Please. <laughs> he's Dave Bowie. Look, Dave Bowie. Looked better than Dylan, I'm sure. <laughs> always. Well, well always. <laughs> I doubt. I doubt always, but most of the time, we'll say. He most was trying harder than Dylan. Always. Absolutely, Dylan didn't try at all. <laughs> A lot of the Doesn't time. Doesn't Jake. Present tense here. <laughs> oh man, there was a really, there was just a great series of pictures with him uh, doing his ironworks sculptures, and uh, uh-huh. you know he had like the uh, he had the mask down for when he was welding and soldering and stuff, and his hair is just <laughs> yeah, like yeah. popping up all through this <laughs> through this I, I mean, thing. I uh, kind of want to hope that at some point uh, a stray spark just let you know let just lit it. That, that, well, that is so. Unkind of and you. And things, things went up. Just for, you know, just for a couple seconds. You got it just up, like, you know. Like he'll, he'll always be able to grow it back, apparently. <laughs> it always comes back. Oh, man. What if he went bald? That'd be awesome. Oh, <laughs> he'd be the ugliest man around. <laughs> wow, oh, that'd be bad. I sure hope he lives long enough to go bald. So all, he's, all he's got <laughs> is his hair, man. <laughs> just you leave it alone. You leave it alone, sir. All right, let's do some points because I'm already points. I'm already slobbering bored with your eight videos you have to explain, and <laughs> I want to just get through. So the... looking forward to that. They're uh, good videos too, Jake. Let me tell you. That. I know. Like, I'm gonna in excruciating detail. And you actually like let enough time um, left for you. I know we're getting we're we're like fast here. We're well, this is a good year. I mean, there wasn't. You you had a big album to talk about, but there wasn't. I did, but but Bowie didn't do anything. You know, we don't know yeah. anything else he did the entire year besides release videos and an album. That's and Dylan did just the did these year. and one Louis Vuitton ad. Dylan it. Dylan just did these discreet, like easily explainable things. There wasn't, except for ironwork sculptures. But <laughs> what else do you say? Most are gates, you know. <laughs> Most are gates. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to know. Yeah, I could have put that on his tombstone. <laughs> Mostert Gates. Mostert Gates. <laughs> <laughs> but there's some other things. I don't know what they would be, but... Yeah, what are the rest? I don't know. That's, that's I didn't question. even think about that. Yeah, I was. I got, I got stuck on Mostert Gates. Well, okay, so I had to find out when the date was for the show, and so I just looked yeah. up today. I just put in... Bob Dylan, Ironworks Sculptures. And he's still commissioning and making gigantic gates for places now. Like Maryland, the state of Maryland, like, commissioned, like, a $3 million gigantic gate that Bob Dylan made for them. Is this, I mean, this is crazy. <laughs> when I win the lottery, I'm going to 
lottery jig. Yeah. I am not going to give you any money. I am instead going to commission a custom <laughs> iron gate for your uh, house from Bob Dylan. Can it be as big as my house, please? <laughs> and you won't know what to do with it, and you'll just kind of be like, uh, well, this is cool, but I wish you just had the money. And I'll say, like, nope, the money's spent, Jake. It's nope. your gate now. Three, mil- your three million bucks, buddy. <laughs> well spent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what if he like made... okay point it up let's see what you got over there alright let's do some points okay Bob Dylan released Bootleg Series Volume 10 another self portrait <clears throat> I think it was very successful um, it was number 21 in the US number 5 in the UK the two disc version I guess so uh, like I was telling you a little bit about it just it sounds great it redeems this period for me um, of music which was not critically acclaimed at the time and was generally like confused everyone and this definitely mm-hmm. brought it into brought some clarity to that time period it yeah. makes much more sense uh having like more of this than what there was which are these kinds of like covers and different mm-hmm. things he was throwing on i think of it as his uh his indie period okay. and some of the songs have these like rich you know almost saccharine horns behind them there's one song where it's just him on piano and like this beautiful violin there's so do you think there'd be a way to like go to have rearranged this into like two or three albums or something that I think what he sh- that are more different what do you think I think what he could have done is made because the the album was a double LP as it was oh it was I'm, I'm okay. speaking I'm speaking of uh, self portrait from 1970 and we yeah, already know yeah. about Nashville skyline that was like so short um, oh, yeah, and that's 28 minutes 20, 28 sweet minutes <laughs> of country crooning uh, <laughs> I think he probably could have just like replaced a lot of the songs that he put on the original uh, LP with a bunch of these songs, and it would have been much okay. better. And perhaps it could. So that, have... that old chestnut again, then? Huh? I think so. How many times does that happen? Where he released an album where if he just released like you know a different batch of songs from the same. Yeah, sessions, but the, the other it ones. It's, one. The other ones. It's more like, well, let's replace like one or two and put these other ones in. Uh-huh. In this case. In this case, it seems that he was actively trying to make his audience not like him at the time. <laughs> like, and I think that he was like, um, the way that they put it in the liner notes for the, the bootleg series was like, he was, he was auditioning for the part that was not Bob Dylan. Like, he didn't want to be that anymore. The uh-huh. voice of a generation, all this stuff. So he's like, fine, you know, here's all these slight songs, here's country songs, here's covers, here's songs that I wrote that sound like covers, here's... Happy songs. I'm not going to speak politically at all anymore. I'm going to cover, you know, the boxer horribly, you know, like on purpose. So I'm going to release it. And like, here, you want, this is who, this is who I am now or whatever, or this is what I want you to see me as now. And not only did everyone buy it, but they hated it at the same time. It was like, it backfired completely. (laughs) But there's some really good stuff in this, in all these recording sessions. So if he had been trying to make a good album back then, I think that he could have replaced a good number of those songs uh-huh. with these. And perhaps also it's a function of what the technology was like. Um, perhaps these songs wouldn't have sounded good no matter what, but now they sound great. I don't know uh-huh. enough about remastering to know how much, how much these improved. Like that's why I'm dying to get the deluxe version of this so I can hear what self portrait sounds like remastered. I really right. want to hear that. So, all in all, I want to give it a plus 2.5. Okay. For archival well, releases, we allow... For those of you at home, yeah, please, we have a strange, convoluted point system. 
the big thing to realize is that we get Vlau and negative points right. on different things. And different things are worth different numbers of points. So this is 2.5 out of possible 3. It could have been as low as negative 3. Exactly. So this that's is, bold. That's good. That's, that's a, that's this a is, uh, this is a, one of his very best bootleg series. It's just it's right. surprising how good it is. So plus 2.5. He released nice. three singles. One was Wigwam, which is delightful, and um, <laughs> its B-side was Thirsty Boots, which was uh, one of the outtakes, which is also great, um, which was not on any album before. So I'm going to give that a plus mm-hmm. one. Okay. Um, the video single for Pretty Saro is very sweet. Um, it's a very sweet song with very sweet images. I don't think it's like transcendent or anything, but uh, I'll give it a plus point five. Okay. And then Motherless Children, which was kind of like a, a download-only single, a weird way to... I guess advertised for that show being included in the complete album collection volume one. Um, I'm just going to give it a zero. It's fine. It doesn't, but it's not like consequential in any, right. in any case. I'm not going to give any points for the complete album collection because there was no new material on it. There's no, it's just yeah. a collection. No, no reason to, no reason to sweat that. Um, right. His tour seemed like it was fine, but not special. So 0.5 for that. And then I think I gotta give him a, a oof. maybe I'll get your input. Should I give him a half yeah. point or a full point for surprise, uh, surprising everyone with <laughs> an Ironworks sculpture show in London? That's, that's a point fiver. Okay, me too. All right, good. We're on the same page. All right, so he comes out with two point five. He's gonna get a five point zero for this year. Wow. Yeah, not too that shabby. Was a, that's a surprising showing there. Yeah, and I can't. I don't think there's any controversy uh, about it. He didn't... Oh, no. and he also put out a song on the Inside Llewellyn Davis soundtrack, which I know you're a fan of that movie, and the Coen Yeah, Brothers, I love that movie. Uh, called Farewell. That movie was sort of about him at the end. Bob oh, yeah, Dylan, he, that he is. makes a not-quite-appearance. Yeah, but, ever, but it's it... It's obviously Bob Dylan, but, but it's, it's all yeah. about the folk scene in the 60s there, right, right before he gets there. Yeah, and so they came to him and got an actual Bob Dylan song called Farewell, which is fine. It's right. Beautiful. So... That's it. Fiverr. Nice. It's a fiver. I'm going to watch it right now. Yeah, me too. Bye. Actually, I can probably watch it while you're explaining all these stupid videos that Bowie put Oh, out. chick, chick. Let you me just put watching, it on the you're old... You're going to be watching the videos is what you'd be doing. The old VHS. videos. The old VHS player. Two of them player. in particular you have to watch. They're all good. All right. All right. So we start with The Next Day. Great. Bowie's biggest comeback album of them all. Uh, you've got, like, ecstatic, unbelievable reviews. It was just crazy like over the top everyone's talking about how amazing it is of course here's my thing i love me some david bowie yes, i love my some david bowie so much that what, i have you a do? david bowie podcast <laughs> yeah and i think i think this album's overrated okay i think this is a good album do not get me wrong way but to i be don't honest think it is it. as good as the popular consensus and i think it's interesting there's 10 years between 2003's reality and 2013's the next day yeah. The sound is so similar, it could have come out in 2004, 2005. Oh. And it oh, would have, like, really? Fit. And for a guy who has, like, <clears throat> changed his, you know, style so regularly, so dramatically, he did not change styles dramatically for these last, like, this 10 year break. So he was kind of in this, it starts with 1999's Hours, more or less. I've heard it called Neo Classic Rock which sounds pretentious and stupid, but it's just like not, you know, coming off of his nineties work, which is so electronic and techno influenced and sure. all that stuff, dance and stuff. 
it was just him like just doing just like some kind of regular rock songs more or less yeah um so i kind of see that that like neoclassic rock thing it doesn't sound like stuff he did in the 70s but it sounds like it, you know i don't know so it's right in there it's it's right in that same zone and it's a very it, it's a good album don't get me wrong but it's not as revelatory particularly in contrast to his following album after the next day and his last album black star which was a completely new direction for him yes and i think much much better than the next day i think it okay. is one of his one of his like all-time classics i think it ranks up there with some of his best so there's that uh next day is interesting but we yes self-mythologizing all over the place up and down but he also likes to just drop in all kinds of references to his previous self like bringing back his own stuff yeah. all the time and it really is more obvious in the videos. When I get to the videos, we'll talk about it a little bit. But there's a lot of the stuff just kind of checkered throughout the next day. Well, you haven't even, now, uh, you haven't even talked okay. about the cover yet. What's that? You haven't even talked about the cover of the album I was yet. just about to talk to the cover. Oh, okay. The next thing I was going to say. It had a very like, interesting, controversial cover. Yeah. Because what the cover actually was is the cover of 1977's Heroes album, Upside Down. <laughs> with a big white box in yeah. it that says the next day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, it's not actually done because you can see the, his name. I don't remember. Anyway, it's a big white box over the cover to Heroes saying the next day. And uh, I don't know if I like it or not. I can see what I they're don't... talking about because his single covers were kind of similar stuff too. Yeah. But they're taking okay. previous stuff and like messing with it in different ways. But stuff that he was really well known. He obviously is making obvious connections between this album and his Berlin years so far, so so uh, spoken, so what was I'm trying to say, uh, so called, so called Berlin years, yeah, which is seventy seven through seventy nine usually, um, and Heroes is in nineteen seventy seven, and so he's obviously making reference to that. Kind of again in the videos, we talk a little bit about this, and so he seems to be calling back to that period. Though musically, I don't think there's a lot of similarities. Um, but it was an interesting, like, way to just throw this guy out here, just throw this out there. And again, this kind of anonymous persona he's taking on this time, this man of mystery where he refuses to do interviews, we don't know what's going on, and this continues up until he dies. I mean, his surprise death. Like, this is his persona, this is his next, like, role for the end of his career. It's this just mystery man we don't know anything about. Yeah. handful of, vi- of, uh, of videos, a handful of images no interviews and music and that's all he says it's only speaking through his work at the end that's kind of interesting I still think it was too obvious the cover I think it was too obvious yeah it was like it kind of gave it away it's like that's not very mysterious to be like I'm not this anymore I'm this <laughs> I'm obliterating this old thing I with mean this right white down to the box. title you know yeah exactly the next I don't know, you know, I, don't I, know. I don't know whatever Go Bowie. Anyway, it's a, it is a good solid album. I'm not going to say any different. I'm giving it a two. Okay, a two. Um, oh. Yeah, so that's a solid showing. Oh, not for sure. Not best album by any means, but it's solid. It's decent. I like it. Great. I li- That's one that I do pick up and listen to from time to time. Um, notable, I said there's a deluxe edition of The Next Day released at the end of the year. Right. Um, called The Next Day Extra. It had a bonus disc with four rare tracks, which were released just as deluxe, just as tracks and deluxe editions of the next day. There are four brand new tracks, never before released. Um, I don't know if all of them or most of them, anyway, included new recordings he had done that year. And there's two remixes on there, one of which is really quite good, and one of which is decent. Um, 
this was also released as an EP. Like seven of the tracks released as an EP. Um, so I'm giving that an, an extra point. Okay. Because there are those songs, those songs are good too. They're solid. They're they're up to the quality of the, the album itself. All right. Um, let's roll into singles and videos here, James. <laughs> Oh, can we? I got so please. So All the right. first one I'm talking about is "Where Are We Now." Where are we now? That, that's like, a great question. That's the one that dropped with the announcement of the album and everything just appeared one day. Um, the video is has lots of references to his Berlin period, and the, actually the song does too. The lyrics have a lot of uh, references to his Berlin period. Okay, and it's kind of set in a studio of sorts. It looks like it could be, you know, whatever studio he had when he lived in Berlin in 1977. Uh, it goes back and forth between these images of Bowie, like his face projected on this little doll, which seems really weird, but okay. he used this exact same thing in his uh, 1997 famous 50th birthday concert, which we talked about when we did 1997. Yeah, I remember. So again, we have a reference back there. Um, he at one point shows up wearing this shirt that uh, is a clear reference to his late 60s girlfriend, Hermione Fotheringale. Oh, yeah. Who we talked about in 1969. The great Hermione. The great Hermione, uh, who is always kind of, like, seen as this, like, lost love or rosebud type thing for Bowie by a lot of... He's, like, clearly playing into all these, like, obsessed fans, like myself's hands. He's just doing it. He knows what he's doing. So it's kind of a nice video, kind of a nice song. Um, I think other people like this song a little more than it. I'm giving that one a .5. It's solid. Okay. Our next song, and next single, is The Stars Are Out Tonight. Which is a little bigger, a little catchier. Where Are We Now was kind of a, like, sad, like, I don't know. It's a slower, sad song. Stars Are Out Tonight is a big, like, rocker-type song. Okay. Um, the video was amazing for this one. It's one of his best videos ever. This one and the Fun to Follow are some of his best videos. It uh, stars Bowie and Tilda Swinton. Ooh. Another it looks famous, just like you know, Bowie. <laughs> androgynous uh, celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they're hilarious, because they're both, you know, getting on in years, and they're both so famous for being androgynous so Bowie's like this very like middle-aged guy in a cardigan and button-down shirt they're just very very straight and Phyllis Swinton's the same way it's just very because so we got this like kind of poofed out wig and stuff like they just look like this really stereotypical you know empty nest couple and they're like going to the store and stuff and sitting and watching TV together you know it's at the dining room table and then they're uh, menaced by all these like celebrities like not actual celebrities, but these people who look like famous celebrities, including a woman playing Bowie himself, like particularly his 1976 persona of the Thin White Duke. Oh. And so they keep like, the celebrities are are bothering these normal people. Oh, that's as interesting. As if they were celebrities. So it's kind of like they're being hounded by the paparazzi, but the paparazzi is this celebrity-looking, you that's know, young, crazy. hot type people. And it gets pretty crazy at the end. It's really... A really excellent video. I say one of his best videos. All right. Uh, the song I really like, and the video kicks it up. So that's, I'm giving that one a full one point. Great. Next one is the next day. The song, the next day. <laughs> uh-huh. This one also has a truly amazing video. Uh, it has Gary Oldman and Marion Cotillard in it. Oh. So he's just pulling in the celebrities on this one. Yeah. Uh, it is a very controversial video. Oh, it was. It has. It's set in like the CD bar. But all of the people in it are, uh, like, priests or, oh. like, saints. There's all kinds of crazy Catholic imagery in there. It was very controversial, and I can totally understand why. <laughs> Get it. Bowie is the, like, house band. You know, he's part of the house band. He's up there singing in, like, this big uh, monk's robe. 
with like rope tied around his waist and all that kind of stuff. And uh, then Gary Oldman is a priest and he's coming in. He's super sleazy. He's got like a duck tail and stuff. Nice. And uh, you know he's glad handing everybody and you know and he meets you know sees this this good looking woman who is Marion Cotillard and they start dancing on the floor. It's, it's really sleazy and then she starts she has like stigmata and there's blood coming out of her. Yeah. Stuff. It's nuts. But I don't know. Anyway, I like quite like that song too. I'm also giving that one a one. Okay. It's crazy and very controversial, but worth noting. Okay. All right. Next single up is Valentine's <laughs> Day. We're almost halfway done. Definitely <laughs> yeah, done. Yay! Valentine's Day is—it's about—it's a song about school shootings, really, oh. from the perspective of the shooter, more or less. Um, and so Bowie, the video is nothing, nothing special in this one. Bowie's in this—it's now, if Bowie's in this, like it looks like an abandoned factory or something, and he's got this like weird little electronic guitar thing that he kind of like he keeps—he uses it as a weapon. Like he lifts it above his head in kind of a Charlton Heston NRA type. Thing he's he's definitely there's some some little imagery in there, but it's a little underwhelming after the videos that preceded it. Sure, um, songs you know it's decent, it's good, but not like amazing. I give it one point five. Okay. Next up, "Love Is Lost" was done as a remix, and it showed up on the next day extra. It was remixed by James Murphy of LCD Sound. Oh wow, a modern person. later go on to guest appear on Blackstar. He was supposed to produce it, but he didn't end up producing it. Uh, it was references to Steve Reich's clapping music. Oh which yeah, is a song I enjoy from Me the late 60s, late sixties, early seventies, somewhere in there. I yep. remember. Sure. It notably, so it starts with clapping. The clapping turns into a beat of sorts. It doesn't do the phasing that Steve Reich likes to do, but you know, yeah, it's in there. It uh, notably samples. Bowie's own Ashes to Ashes from oh. 1980 in oh a really good goodness. way. Okay, good. I know it's it is a it's a good remix. There's a lot of bad boy remixes. So many bad yes, boy there remixes, are. remixes. This is not one of them. This is a really good remix. Um, there were also two videos for this one because there was a ten. The original remix is ten minutes long. There's a four minute single version of it. Bowie himself directed the video for the four minute version. And he used a bunch of crazy stuff from his archive, from oh. his famous archive. Do you think it's so just in his references. basement? He just goes down there. He's like, "Man, I, I need a know. suit." <laughs> Maybe. I probably lived in that crazy. From 1978. So there's references again to the 70s. There's like these big puppets that were used at some point. There's all kinds of stuff in there. Um, again, this is self-mythologizing. And then the 10 minute long video is this big, crazy electronic thing where it like breaks down into two people making out and, and they all, they like, it starts out as just these random digital images that slowly coalesce into these people making out. And then at the end, like breaks up again. Okay. It's pretty cool. Right. I'm giving that one a 0.5 because it's a remix. If it were a straight up Bowie song, it'd be a one, but. All right. Uh, this is not a single, but notable is we talked about the uh, Louis Vuitton ad, yeah. which featured the song "I'd Rather Be High" with just Bowie on harpsichord. Um, there was a full-blown remix that kind of combined the original song with the harpsichord uh, that was showed up on the next day extra. There were two music videos for the song, which was <laughs> not released as a single. One of them just features clips from the advertisement, including some backstage stuff, and one of them was a full-blown new music video that had. Uh, it had it, it's got like a bunch of archival footage of people like stuff from different uh, wars and different people in uniform dancing okay and so it goes through all these clips and then Bowie 
comes in and out kind of ghost-like into this. It's a pretty cool video. All right. So no points for that because no, it wasn't actually released as a single, but it's okay. notable. And last but not least, well, actually, it might be least <laughs> now that I think about it. Oh, good. Uh, there's no video for this one. There was Sound and Vision, the classic Bowie track from 1977, yeah. off of Low, was remixed okay. by... Sony for a smartphone commercial. Oh, wait, what? And it was, it was really remixed by Sony? Well, Sony commissioned the remix. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. They didn't actually remix it. Um, the remix is actually pretty good, but the whole context of it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, me too. So it, kinda, it went for me they too. They kind of took the vocals only and jettisoned all the backing music, or almost all of it. Okay. And replaced it with like some pianos and stuff, and it's actually... It's worth listening to, but not worth giving any points to. All so right. zero points on the Sound Vision 2015 remix. Give, right? give yourself a hand. That was a marathon. So hopefully everyone goes home and at least watches the videos for the Stars Are Out tonight and the next day. But you might be offended by the next day, and I understand if you are. Okay. So maybe watch that one. I'm, I'm pre-offended. Watch the Stars Are Out tonight. Do I'm already one. offended. So, if I'm counted correctly, all of this <laughs> stuff here. Yeah. I'm double check it really quick. Let's just yeah. get out the calculator. Six point five. I'm putting both. Okay. Yeah, so one point five, two point five, three, three point five. Yes. Six point five. Six point five. Solid year. Okay. Wow. Nice. Wow. Good year for both of our fellas. I'm uh, I'm surprised you gave the next day. Well, I guess you kind of tacked on one for the deluxe edition, but yeah. Well, thanks for your honesty. You know, <laughs> I try to honesty. be honest. Yeah, me to too. Me here. too. Sometimes I wonder though if we're as honest as we can be. But that's just that's good. Whatever. whatever, man. Who's gonna stop us, Jake? No one's gonna stop us. You know who's not gonna stop us? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone's, not, everyone's not going to stop us. And you know what they can't stop us from doing? Telling Everything. them about what? the next episode of Bowie vs. Oh, Jane. here we go. Tell so, us. next episode will be our 10th episode. Wow. Which is something kind of notable. We've to come us a anyway. long way, baby. I think our wives expected us to last about two or three and be done. <laughs> but here we are. Still going strong. We're not stopping now. <laughs> I know. Uh, so, in honor of that 10th episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. Rather than concentrating on a year, we're going to concentrate on a theme. And our theme is notable collaborators notable. for our guys. Top 10 notable collaborators. Okay. So we're going to do a countdown style. Top 10 notable collaborators. By collab- notable collaborators, we're talking people who are famous in their own right. So, our old favorite, Mick Ronson, for instance, won't make the cut for either one of our guys, even though he went to both of them. So we're looking at people who, uh, so who are really like well known on their own. Can you give people us a preview? Like, oh. Can you give us a preview about whether there will be a Mick in your top ten notable collaborators? I'm guessing there be, will be. There will be one. Fact, I, I can. I, I know who it's. I bet be. you can guess the one. I'm yeah. pretty sure one of them's gonna make the cup. It won't be the grounds. That is a different one. As long as we got one. Entirely inappropriate reasons. Uh... So that's what's happening next. Yeah. Episode 10. Tune, tune in for that. Let's tune in to that in, you know, half a month from now. Yep. That'll be two weeks. Don't forget to follow <laughs> us on uh, Apple, iTunes, yep. Apple Music, whatever. Uh, check out www.bowieversusdylan.com. Please where do. We got the, uh, we're keeping track of who's, who's got the most points. 
Keep that up to date. Uh, each of our episodes features a Spotify playlist with music music from the year or appropriate to the uh, the show in some way. Correct. So check those out as well. And uh, that's about it. Just you know, keep on keeping on. Yeah, and just remember, everybody, most are gates. <laughs> most. Most, but not all. Not all. Most. But most are. Most are gates. Most are gates. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>